Ladies and gentlemen, this is Pause Reviews. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome back, all of you out there. And by all of you, I mean two of you listening to this podcast, Pause Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Frank, and I am once again thrilled to be joined by my good friend, Tim. Tim, welcome back, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Happy to be back again. Three or third week in a row. Third? Three in third. a row. Three in a row. The three-peat. <laughs> um yeah man no I'm I'm super excited about this one actually this is yeah. uh this is a movie I've been wanting to see for a while I I missed it in theaters I loved the original this is and and by well we'll get into this in a second the movie we're talking about today is Jumanji the Next Level the sequel to uh Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle so a couple of things out the bat that I want to say Real quick, number one, as we move forward in this podcast and we start diving into this movie, I'm going to use the phrase original, first one, you know, lots of these little things. Let me just make it clear. When I say that, I do not mean the 1996. (laughs) Where's Google when you need it? So I'm not talking about the original Robin Williams, Kirsten Dunst. 1995. Ooh, that was pretty close. So when I say, you know, original or so on, I'm not talking about the actual original with Robin Williams. I'm talking about Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. I feel like these Jake Kasdan ones are completely meant to stand alone. You know, that's kind of what we're dealing with here. Just making that clear. Before we jump into everything, as we have done each week, let's just kind of chat a little bit about what we're watching, what we're doing um tim let's just start with you man how have things been what are you guys watching what are you doing yeah uh things are good i guess we're heading into week six of uh stay at home <laughs> Got, has it really yeah. been six weeks for me it's been six weeks yeah, yeah. Man, it has that's such a right? long time got lucky i had to pick up a prescription and uh speaking of gut instinct something said don't use the drive through why don't you go in and maybe they'll have toilet paper and lo and behold they had like four packs of toilet paper left so i took nice. uh, I, gra- I grabbed two and i was like sweet um so that was totally worth risking my life for um <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you ever think there'd be the day where you're like man it was so worth risking my life for toilet paper well, so what I really thought was going to come down to was like, you know, driving around to all the different stores, risking my life multiple times in one day just for toilet paper and, you know, just haunt, having that haunting image of one roll at home and being <laughs> like, like, what other target can we go to? Um, but today that actually turned out to be dishwashing liquid. Uh, oh, yeah. I we I, I had to run out for one other thing that I didn't realize we we needed. Um, but dishwashing liquid is one of the big ones because uh, my wife refuses to not use the dishwasher. So mm. we were out looking for something else. I was like, oh, I'll grab the dishwashing liquid. And there was nothing at Walmart. So I went across the street to Giant. There was nothing at Giant. So I'm like, well, now we're committed. So I went to Target. There was nothing at Target. So I ended up going to a CVS firehouse and found that. But I was like, this is what's going to put me down is looking for dishwashing liquid. Dude, that's <laughs> it. That's absolutely so. it. I know. I I actually the other day like I had to. I don't, there was just something I I needed a toothbrush, and just some other stuff. I just wanted some stuff around the house, 
And I was like, forget it, man. I'm going. Now, we really try to limit ourselves to like one yeah, store yep. a week or something like that. Yep. Yep. And and this time I was just like, forget it. Like, I was like, I don't I don't care. And I did notice people were actually surprisingly people in Stafford have been absolutely terrible. You know, like every time we've gone out, no one's six feet away. Everyone's walking around, no mask, like no nothing. And, and I, like nothing was happening. And we actually have a, a healthy number of cases here. And yeah. so it's been surprising, but I think it's gotten bad enough now that people are actually taking it seriously. So I went on a sure. on a Saturday. I went yesterday, kind of early afternoon, and, and I I thought it was just going to be a disaster. And I, I was I was like, I'm definitely getting this, <laughs> but uh, but no, man, people were actually being good about it and staying far apart and that kind of stuff. So there's been a definite shift I've noticed where I, I feel like the craze of last week has started to settle, where everyone was really going crazy. I think people yeah. are kind of settling into it and seeing the importance of what we're doing and, and are sort of I, I, it's it's almost like the stages of grief, right? There's been sort yeah, of like absolutely. anger and all this stuff and now we've we've all kind of hit acceptance yeah. and we're really starting to settle into kind of a new norm for the time being. Yeah, I think what I've been hearing a lot today um is the word endurance uh and yeah. that we're going on like a marathon kind of style rather than a sprint. Cause I think even just the way I prepared at the beginning was like, let's buy three weeks of groceries and we'll be good. And it'll be over by then. And it's like, no, that's not how this is going to work. <laughs> oh yeah. No, we've already been having the conversation of like, do we just sort of use our stash just to yeah. not have to go to the store for two weeks? Because right. we're basically going every week anyway, and this is not ending. So, yeah. You know, I, I do worry. I've been thinking about it because I've been hearing a lot of talk about Virginia in terms of, you know, where we're peaking, how like states yep. are starting to peak and now we're maybe going to peak this week or next. I don't really know how you know that, but whatever. I'm sure there's some science to it. My concern is I'm wondering if some of this acceptance comes from maybe the idea of some light at the end of the tunnel finally for the first time. Like, you know, are we going to start heading downhill uh, yeah. If that doesn't happen, I'm wondering if we're just sort of setting ourselves up for another ramp up of crazy. Um, yeah. But whatever. No sense in borrowing trouble, right? The, nope. Um, uh, something, something I saw this morning uh, when we went out for a walk, uh, somebody had uh, placed a bunch of these rocks all around in different places with mm -hmm. sayings on it. Uh -huh. And one of them uh, said, worrying is just praying for something you don't want. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I do right? that. I do that a hundred percent. Right. A so my wife's like, always calling me out on that. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, oh, okay, all right. So I've yeah, no, I've just been, this. I've been holding tight to. I wish, you know, I wish I was good. I mean, I'm a Christian. I read my Bible, but I'm terrible about. You know, I'm definitely not one of those Christians who can just like spout off verse and and whatever. You know, my not, wife not isn't necessarily either, but she. There's a few that she really knows. Um, anyways, but the one I've been holding on to is the, uh, yeah, don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble as it is. Right. So it's like, uh, yep. I'm just, yep. man, one day, one day at a time, toilet paper today, maybe a toothbrush tomorrow. We'll see if I can't <laughs> right. find toilet paper. We've got a shower one yep. in the basement right. that no one uses. <laughs> I can drop yeah. all my duties. In there. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah. I'm good, man. Uh, That's good. I'm glad you got some toilet paper. I'm glad you guys are hanging tough. What what have you been watching? Uh, did you uh, watch? I guess my first question: Did you watch as much this week as you did last week? Well, <laughs> so, which is funny because I don't really feel like my uh, TV watching habits have changed that much. Right. Um, 
I mean, we are still binging through Shit's Creek. We're in the middle of the third season now. Right. And I don't know if we just watched a ton of it on Friday night, but I was starting to drag a little bit where I, I couldn't really put my finger on it. I was like, I kind of feel like the characters have settled into their predicament. And I feel like the predicament was sort of what a lot of the driving factor was in the first two seasons. And I was mm-hmm. like... Uh, they're kind of settled into this environment now, and I don't find the situational humor as funny. It's it's that part. I it's that point in a TV show where the relationships have expanded beyond the central four characters. Like I saw it in Big Bang Theory when they all got girlfriends and or wives, and then it wasn't just the four guys anymore. It was the four guys plus their significant others, and then there's all these expanding storylines, right? I mean, I, I know how a series works. Like you have to have those expanding storylines, right? But like, uh, Tim wants just... four people in a box, one camera. <laughs> it's just kind of like, it's shifting elements. And I, I miss some of the elements in the earlier parts of the series. You know, so. it's interesting that you said that. I, like I said, I, I've watched a few episodes of shit of Shit's Creek, but definitely nothing, you know, I haven't binged or whatever. And I've been a little bit all over the place. Whereas my wife watched a lot back to back to back so i feel like i saw uh, you know maybe an episode or two at the very beginning where it was very much fish out of water culture clash like you get a lot of that tension conflict which leads to a lot of easy comedy right um then i watched an episode later on and dan levy's character has uh you know he's got a, a boyfriend and they have a store together and eugene levy is kind of sort of a you know like a city councilman type person like working a lot with the mayor and like has a lot of influence in things and yeah. and the sister is dating a, a vet and he's you know like she's living with him or, or whatever and so like i kind of get the sense of that settling in and i remember watching it and just kind of being like is this place still a problem this just very much feels like their home now yeah, they, they, they hit a point, I think it was the end of season two, where they went out to dinner. Eugene Levy's character, Johnny, and Catherine O'Hara's character, Moira, go out to dinner, um, and they kind of bail on Chris Elliott's mayor character and his wife and go out for an anniversary dinner at a slightly upscale restaurant right. and uh, run into an old friend of theirs that is traveling back from dropping their kid off at college, and the old friend is just kind of him and his wife are just trashing this town and everything is beneath them and the wine sucks and all this kind of stuff. And then the mayor and his wife show up. And at the end of this whole thing, it's their like kind of come to Jesus moment with the town where their old friend is insulting the town. And they're like, well, no, we live in this town now and this is our town. And that kind of, just ends that fish out of water dynamic and like Interesting. now um now johnny and roland the mayor are just kind of buddies now and there's not that kind of like you know townie versus outsider dynamic between them so it, it, they definitely have settled in more and there's the whole town council aspect and then johnny buys into the motel and so they're all invested in this town in many different ways now um, yeah and obviously that's the character growth, but I think you're right. It Some of that easy comedy that just was so gold early on kind of dissolves away a little bit. Um, yeah, which is standard. I mean, you expect that, yeah. but at the same time, it was noticeable to me, and I was just kind of like, well, that's interesting. We're, I wonder where you go from there. But yeah. anyway. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, so Shit's um, Creek, what else are you guys doing? The other thing, I ran into uh, a movie that I surprisingly never watched, which is really 
strange for me, but uh, happened to catch it on TV was Glory. Matthew Broderick, uh, with, Denzel Washington. Yeah, you never Morgan watched Freeman. that? I never watched Glory, which is shocking to me because Civil War movies are like, I've, I've seen Gettysburg probably a hundred times, at least the first part of Gettysburg. Dude, that's like, like you never even like watched it in school or like, I feel like I watched it in school. Right. Never watched it. Uh, and <laughs> unfortunately, I got interrupted at some like key points because I had it kind of on during the workday, which is the first time I've actually watched anything during the workday. Right. It's just because I had ran out of podcasts and I didn't feel like listening to music. Um, and then I had a phone call, work phone call, like right during the like the last climactic battle. And I was like, oh, this sucks. So I got to go back and watch the rest of it. I was blown Spoiler away. Spoiler alert. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right? <laughs> Um, the North wins. Uh, no. <laughs> um, it was fantastic. Like it's uh, amazing. Denzel Washington's yeah. on another level in this movie. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I think to say that Matthew Broderick might have been my least favorite acted part in that movie. One hundred percent. Yeah, is 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 interesting. Um, well, it's also I mean, a can... statement you can usually make for any Matthew Broderick movie. That's true. <laughs> like Ferris That's Bueller true. is the only exemption. <laughs> Right. Um, but yeah, I just like, I didn't, I mean, like, I guess I never realized that Morgan Freeman was also in that movie. And oh, Denzel that's right. He plays like the staff uh, sergeant or something. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Carrie Elways shows up and there. He's in that movie too. And uh, yes. yeah, <laughs> it was really weird. So, but I, yeah, I just, so I got to go actually go and devote time to it. Um, Cause it's right up my alley. And uh, I just thought it was, it was brilliant. Um, I can hands down say Glory is a must watch for anybody, especially yeah. if you're a war film buff, especially if you're a Civil War film buff. So I would definitely say, I mean, now you're just talking about it. It's like, dude, I haven't seen that movie in years. Like, I feel like yeah. I need to watch. I might own it, actually. I don't know. Um, yeah. That, that blows my mind. You've never seen that. That's like, Yep, I know. I know. Uh, it, it was like, I, I hurt I hurt myself because I've never seen that movie. So, um, And then uh, the other thing, which I think kind of segues into a couple of the notes I've seen from you, um, we watched uh, Dolphin Reef on Disney+. Plus. Oh, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it was in partnership with their Nat Geo stuff, but it was like a dolphin wildlife documentary thing uh, narrated by Natalie Portman. <laughs> Oh, that sounds like it's part of their like the Disney Nature series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was it was cute. Um, <laughs> it's just sort of funny because when it first came on, you're like, "Who is that narrating this?" and could not place the voice for the life of me. And then when I realized, like when we stopped, we're like, "Oh, it's Natalie Portman." Like, <laughs> oh, okay. And some of it is just so goofy the narration in it because. It's Disney Plus, right? So <laughs> anything that referred that's like obviously as an adult, you're like, oh, this whale is attracting mates. They're like, and now she's attracting her champion to protect her baby. And I'm like, no, nah, nope, 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 nope. That's not that's not what's happening. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, nope. you could you definitely with the Disney nature stuff, it, it's definitely tailored towards children and young yeah. children. And it, yeah. yeah, I find it to be more corny than even informative. Like, yeah. you know, I've always been, <laughs> it's, I've seen it. I, I feel like some of them were even on Netflix before Disney plus launched. And anytime I would see a, a commercial or something for it, I'd be like, whatever. Like I can watch planet earth and David Attenborough can tell me some real stuff. I will say this. My wife's favorite game to play is with voice narration. She's scarily good at it. Like, we'll be watching, and she's like, oh, that's the guy from, like, the most obscure voice actor ever. And she'll just be, oh, that's the guy from that commercial, blah, blah, blah. And I'll look it up, and sure enough, 
Like she nails it. Drives me nuts. I said that this one just threw me off. <laughs> she tried. I just, yeah. She tried. <laughs> good good for her. Good for her. Yeah. No, yeah, I um let's see. I you know, we're still yeah, we're still watching New Girls, steadily working our way through that, which love that that'll we'll talk about that more again in, in yeah. a little bit. The what else? What else? Uh, so I was watching Community. You know, I gotta say, man, you know, you were kind of talking about this a little bit with Shits Creek. Community's sort of lost me. I'm still watching it, but now it's much more like just sort of in the background noise. That show took a really sharp turn from telling like funny stories about these characters to basically just doing like mini i don't even like just little spoofs and recreations of pop culture stuff and there's really not even much substance or or like progressing the characters along anymore it's just a matter of what crazy thing can we do this week what crazy story can we tell and so it's it's kind of lost me you know it's 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 a rare gem when it just sort of tells a story of the arc and lets the characters be the characters. So, needless to say, I was just sort of... I can see why this got canceled. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I'm yeah. surprised that it's got six seasons. Because I think I'm in season two or maybe three. And I'm already over it. So, I shifted gears. We ended up just kind of flipping through Disney+. Plus. Uh, my son wanted to watch Onward. And then, you know, we were kind of looking on there. And, and some of the Nat Geo stuff we saw. We were watching, like, Ancient Civilization something or other. And... And the new Gordon Ramsay show, which is excellent, Uncharted, mm. I think it's called. Um, okay. I mean, it's kind of sad because basically, you know, Anthony Bourdain, you know, traveling yeah. the world and doing stuff. But, you know, they just sort of plopped Gordon Ramsay in. But he's surprisingly good. Uh, but it is, it's kind of a hard watch because you're just kind of like, oh, man, I miss Bourdain. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, but no, I, I started watching uh, The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Okay, so I I saw this and I've had my finger on that button a couple of times. Press and then, the button, baby. Yeah. Press it right. hard and press it firm and don't let go. It's right. so freaking good, man. He is so he's so weird. I have a really hard time watching him in interviews just because I feel like even in age he's gotten worse, like borderline senile. <laughs> but on this show, you know, when he's scripted and whatever, he he is so freaking charming and so engaging. I mean, to be able to like I'm sitting there watching a 25 minute show about sneakers, which is something I could care less about, like <laughs> shoes and cars. That's just not my jam. Right. It's like I need something yeah. that can get me from here to there and I need something on my feet so I don't get splinties. And it's yeah, like right. uh, what they look like. I could give a crap. Right. So for him to engage me fully for 25 minutes on a subject that I genuinely don't give a crap about speaks volume. The show is excellent. The world, according to Jeff Goldblum, if you have Disney Plus, watch it. If you don't have Disney Plus, get it and watch it along with the rest of your childhood it's fantastic i highly 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 recommend it i'm powering through he's got right. episodes on sneakers denim tattoos uh Sweet. the tattoo one's pretty good gaming like oh dude it's awesome absolutely awesome i highly recommend it i once spent an entire afternoon when i worked at shakespeare theater company in dc listening to that man play a piano uh, he he's so was, good. He was at 
the theater to take part in Kevin Spacey's gala for his foundation. Now this is pre, right. you know, like disgraced Kevin Spacey. Right, right, right. And that day I actually bumped into Kevin Spacey in the hallway and kind of didn't realize who, like we just kind of had that moment where we like acknowledged each other and I was like, Oh, Oh, weird. that's wild. Uh, and then somebody's like, Hey, Jeff Goldblum's here. And I like happened to step out in the hallway as he was going down the steps into the basement. And he was just himself walking day like he had his converse on and then like a black leather jacket and right. he sat the rest of the next four hours to downstairs just banging away on this piano and you could hear him talking to people just banging away on this piano and i was like all right so this is my day i guess Dude, <laughs> like, that's awesome there's yeah, a there's yeah. a scene in the sneakers episode where he goes to a custom sneaker guy right and he's gonna build make him a custom pair of sneakers and and they're sitting down having a very brief conversation. You only get a glimpse, but that glimpse is like I could watch a whole I could watch a, a whole two hour documentary about it. It is Jeff Goldblum explaining to a sneaker maker himself who he is as a person so that that man can capture his essence in a sneaker. And it is the greatest twelve seconds of television I think I've ever watched. It just Listening to Jeff Goldblum explain who he thinks he is to somebody else—it's—it's it's hilarious. It's so good. All it's right, so, so we gotta—we gotta get on that. That might have to—I don't know. I, there's just a couple of. Yeah, it's we'll such an—it's it. such an yeah. easy watch, and you can yeah. walk away for like you can like I'm saying twenty minutes, twenty minutes of let's just listen to Jeff Goldblum tell us about denim today, and, and then and then go on with the rest of your life. And a couple of days later, listen to what he has to say about tattoos. And, and it's it's so easy to digest and so enjoyable. I promise you, like, you'll be glad you did it. Well, um, now we know what I'll be watching this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we chatted a little bit about coronavirus. We chatted a little bit about what we're watching. We chatted yeah. a little bit about Jeff Goldblum. We could probably just end here. No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> um, let's chat a little bit about Jumanji The Next Level. So yeah. uh, first things first, you know, and, and I haven't been good about doing this in the past ever in any episode I've ever done of this podcast, but especially now in, in this new relaunch, which is to warn everybody, there will be spoilers. You know, this is certainly a movie that if you're going to see it or want to see it, we're going to talk about some stuff that will be some deep spoilers. So pause this now and go watch it. Come back to this. This is definitely not one of the episodes I would recommend listening to if you haven't seen the movie and want to see the movie. Um, yeah. It, now, if you're one of those weird, just awful people who likes spoiling movies for themselves, and I know you're out there. I've met some of you. It disgusts me. But, uh, you know, whatever. It's your life. You're going to have to answer for your own sins. <laughs> if, if you are one of those people, by all means, listen up. We're going to tell you all kinds of stuff um, and then watch it later. That's your path. But like I said, if you don't like spoilers and, and you do want to see this movie, go ahead and stop it now. Go watch it. Come back to this. We'll be here waiting. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, okay. Jumanji, the next level. Where can you watch it? That was the other thing, right, that we're trying to be better about. Currently, rental and purchase, I think, is pretty much all there is at the moment. You can rent it or buy it anywhere that you get digital movies. I buy my stuff on Amazon. Maybe they'll give me some money. Who knows? But, uh, you know, I think it's definitely, it's a new release, so it's it's going to be one of those $5.99 rentals. Feel free to rent it. You know, you don't necessarily need to jump in and buy it, but that's where you can get it. That's where you can watch it. 
so this one is directed by Jake Kasdan. Uh, he returns. He was also the director of Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. He's directed a ton of stuff, um, but he's back for this one. And the same cast that you remember from before with a few noticeable or notable additions. Um, so you yep. still get The Rock, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, Karen Gillan, and then the same cast of characters for the players, right? Whose names yep. I've never bothered to know because they're just not in the movie. <laughs> I had this really funny moment. The movie starts... And you start to see the characters. And I think one of the first characters you see is Bethany, who is like yes. the Instagram girl. Yes. And uh, so she's the first character you see. And as soon as she comes on the screen, I went, I turned to my wife and audibly said, God, where do I know her from? And like it took a beat and she just kind of stared at me. And I go, oh, the first one. <laughs> like she's, she's in these. Well, it's it's funny you say that because in the very next scene, which is <laughs> it opens with Bethany and she is tweeting or she is texting who we come to find out in the next couple of scenes is the is the group, the core group from the, the, the first movie. Um, but the first person to get that text is Martha, the other um, the girl right. who Ruby uh, Roundhouse. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, <laughs> Carissa, my wife, who watched this one with me, she goes. Oh, that blonde's way too hot for her. And I was like, huh. Yeah, I don't they ended up together? I they were they were into each other? The, oh, because she I thought she was that. like texting her yeah. directly. <laughs> right. Cause oh, I think she yeah. texted something to the effect of can't wait to see you guys. I can't wait to see you. Yeah, it was uh, can't believe I'm uh, leaving this to come to see you or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I was like, well, I don't remember the to them? what? Huh? <laughs> and then she followed that up with being like, "Who are these people? I don't remember these people." It's, I and mean, it, it's so it, true. Yeah, it, it is, and I think that'll maybe play into uh, when we come come around to the end and talk about a possible uh, uh, third installment in this movie. Yes, um, how that might be rectified. Um, but it is weird. It, there is a, a a an interesting level. Um, it's a very Shrek-esque thing, I guess, with onions in this movie, where it's like there are layers so to this many movie. Layers. Yeah, and it's just like uh, it, just the the meta ness of a lot of the things that are happening in this movie. But yeah, I just kind of the like, can we skip the part with all of them and and just get to the the, the people that we want to see on screen? No offense. It's it's so funny that. We watch really the the actors in this. The leads are the avatars. So it's it's Dwayne Johnson, it's Kevin Hart, it's Karen Gillan, it's Jack Black, and it's so funny that they register. This is, I mean, it's a testament to these movies. They register very much as actors playing these kids, but these kids, you know, very little about them. They're hardly yeah. in these movies. They sort of leave you a little nugget of their personality that then the next two hours you spend watching other people act out and you totally buy that there are other people. Now that, I suppose it's easy to do in the sense that these actors are being very different from their normal selves and so you're just assuming that these are the personality traits of these kids. But it's um, it's amazing to me that when the movie opens up, I recognize them and don't, and I just can't wait to get to them as the avatars. Yeah. It's it's a very interesting feeling and dynamic to these movies that I feel like is just 
I don't know. It's it's very specific to this run of Jumanji, and it's a huge. Uh, I don't know. It's a huge testament to the writing, to the acting. I think it's I think it's awesome. It's just a lot of fun, and I I just loved that moment with my wife where then I could just laugh and be like, "Well done, Jumanji Next Level!" Right. Like, you got me. So right. anyway. Right. Um, so the notable additions that we have in this one are obviously Danny DeVito and Danny Glover, who thanks to community, I keep saying Donald Glover. So if that <laughs> happens, that's, it's just going to happen guys. And then, uh, and Aquafina playing, um, a new character in the game called Ming. Who else? Oh, Rory McCann coming in as the baddie on this one, Ugh. which was so awesome. It was so good to see the hound again. Yeah. It I just mean, made I'm... me happy. I've never done a deep dive into Game of Thrones. I know, don't kill me. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh, start with I the think, last season; it's the best one. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he. I mean, just as a big bad was. I mean, he lives up to his name. He was he just brutal. I mean, as a as like I loved him. I, yeah. I just thought I wanted to see more of him in that movie. I just I loved. I mean, he fed his second in command to fucking hyenas dude that was such a good scene and you kind of knew where it was it was whatever (laughs) yeah so he plays a character called jurgen the brutal he's he's fantastic he's made for it um okay so that's sort of a quick overview uh this movie did surprisingly well like i knew it did well but these movies are just raking in cash so i think the budget on this one is 125 125 million and it grossed almost eight hundred million, so uh, a massive success. So and obviously, there's going to be another one. It was quick on the heels of the first one too. It, it, it was. It, it really was. Right. I mean, I feel like as soon as that first one came out, Dwayne Johnson was like, "Yeah, we're uh, we're doing a sequel." And I was like, before having even seen the first one, I knew that they were talking about doing a sequel, and I was hesitant on the first one because. Right. You know, I, I just, how does that fit with the 95 incarnation? Does it fit? It's not a reboot. It is a continuation-esque kind of, they play with that obviously in the first one and have how that kind of right. fits together. Um, and again, as we get to a possible third installment, they might be closing the loop on that a little bit potentially, but yeah, I, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. It just it was it's just it is it's it is. It's it's very surprising to look at those numbers and see how well it really did. No, no, no. A huge huge success these movies are. Um and and well deserved. So, real quick synopsis, what's this one about? Um, so we find these same four original players, Spencer, Martha, Bethany, and Fridge. We talked a little bit about them. They've kind of all gone their separate ways, but stayed in touch. They're still good friends. Each one of them is thriving in their new, you know, college or travel, football, whatever their situation may be, well, with the exception of Spencer. And he's really struggled to find his place and purpose in his real world and with his real body, which that's a theme that we've seen play out in a lot of different movies. Um, this one does it pretty well. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. So we find Spencer has kept the pieces of the shattered Jumanji game that they bashed to bits at the end of the first one. He puts it back together. He wants to travel back into the game. The game is broken, so instead of picking Bravestone like he obviously wants to, it's just randomly assigning avatars to people. Uh, when his friends find out that he's gone back into the game, they all reluctantly decide to follow him in and rescue him. The only problem is the game only takes Fridge and Martha, and instead of taking Bethany, takes Eddie, who is played by Danny DeVito and is Spencer's grandfather, and his estranged friend and business partner, 
uh, Milo, played by Danny Glover, who are upstairs in the house, and they're brought into the game as well, and then shenanigans ensue. So that's sort of the basic premise of this next installment. Overall opinions. Uh, Tim, what did you think? I thought it was thoroughly fun. It does enough to set it apart from uh, the first installment of Welcome to the Jungle. Right. I was a little apprehensive i guess thinking that are they just going to rely on the fact that they're bringing in some new blood how mm. does how do the the dannys respectively do they just play two of the avatars and only two of the other characters return how does that work um but it does quickly set it apart um to the fact that there's no real jungle a part of this except for the very very initial return to jumanji right um so they they do set it apart there are a couple instances where I am surprised that I really wish I watched the first one again immediately preceding this. And not that it relies heavily on having to have watched it, but there's enough callbacks that I, I kind of wish I had watched and refreshed on the first one again. Especially that opening sequence of them arriving. I mean, it's almost yeah. it's almost shot for shot. Yeah. So there, there are a couple of things that... Um, that I think I wish that I, I came back to that. But I loved the addition of the, of the two new actors in, in the Dannys. Um, and I love the layers of the acting, going back to that Onion thing. I just, I like seeing the versatility of the avatars having to play different people through, having to play different people playing them right, <laughs> throughout right. Uh, the different parts of the movie. Sometimes it works better, Um and I think in the end it shakes out for the best, but it might not be overall um, the strongest up front the way the first one was. Um, but I oh, definitely yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. So No, I agree. I, I agree with everything you just said. And some of it, you know, are, are in my notes to kind of delve into further. I think I think this next installment of this new Jumanji series is fun. I think it's got definite moments where the highs are, are just as high as the original and the comedy is there. That same dynamic of watching, I love the way you put it, watching these actors play people playing them. And, you know, so you get that again and they've mixed it up a little bit. So it's not, it doesn't feel stagnant. Although you do find yourself eventually wishing it was the way it was in the original one. But what I think really surprised me and what they did surprisingly well was tackling these really deep thematic elements in this movie where, you know, some of them are very obvious out the gate. So the whole idea of Spencer struggling with his identity, having come out of this, you know, essentially just being this kick-ass hero to just going back to being himself, he's he has struggled with that. It's a killer dynamic that I absolutely love when movies dive into it. And I think I think it's the only way that you can kick this sequel off successfully. What's the reason why they want to go back? Why is this happening? You know, when the end of the first one, it felt very complete. So how yeah. are you going to convince me that I need to sit here and watch this next one? And that's a, that's the perfect way to start it off. On top of that, you get the old guys, the two Dannys. Right. So you're dealing with this unknown conflict between these two that slowly gets revealed or unpeeled as you watch the movie. And, and so this theme of forgiveness and, and sort of understanding that and kind of following that along and not to mention them facing their own mortality. Um, and so we already gave the spoiler alert warning. But, you know, Milo is is, you know, he's terminal. We don't know exactly what or why. 
Uh, but eventually in the movie, you find out that he's dying in the real world. And so you're dealing with all that. It's a lot to take in like this. Yeah. But it does make it. I, I feel like where this movie is weaker as a general comedy and general movie, it's so much stronger in sort of the, the way that it's making you think about our characters. Um, yeah. It's very much a bridge movie. Yeah, I mean, there's a very, I think when you put it that way, I think back to when I read through the the Hunger Games series, right? And exact, that was exactly what came to my mind. Yeah, you get that second book where you're like, oh, they have to go back to the arena for some reason. Right. But it's going to be different, but it's still going to be, it's going to be different in enough ways. Um and part of it feels like okay we've been here i can't believe we got to do this again and i think the characters do that a lot like you know especially when they're coming to terms with their new avatars when they're first dropped into it um you know a fridge is like oh man now i'm the fat old guy and you know and he got he he wanted to be that character that he hated in the first movie so much um and you know they even felt incomplete without bethany and they were wanting her to get back in the game and you know they, they were bummed that she wasn't um but yeah it's it's very much like that you there's our there's parts of this that you need to get through and then the ending sets it up for what could be something really interesting no i completely agree i love that you just brought and i know we're kind of we're kind of ping-ponging around here but but there's just there's so much to talk about there's so many yeah. cool little elements and, and pieces to this and one of them is exact is the fridge character i very much saw myself the viewer in fridge i felt like he was very much the exposition in the sense of like he he was my guide through this you know in in the first movie he absolutely hated that he was moose mouse finbar or whatever mouse, right? yeah. And so, you know, he's this massive Goliath of a man in real life, and now he's this tiny little dude in Kevin Hart. But what was really funny is that when he comes in the next time and he's Jack Black, he is even more bitter and longs to be Kevin Hart as much as we, the viewers, are like, oh my God. And to the point when they do finally switch everything back up and, and the, the quote-unquote right players are with the right avatars, he's thrilled to be Kevin Hart. He's and and he really embraces the fact that he's the backpack guy, and that's exactly how I felt. So, yeah. you know, again, just these really subtle shifts that played a huge role in kind of investing me in the sequel. And, and so, my first note, and it really starts off. We we already talked about it, but it really starts off with Spencer. Spencer really brings me in. I can absolutely understand his plight. And while I can't necessarily empathize per se, but I can certainly sympathize with his character. And I, I can't imagine another way that you're going to get me to buy in to the sequel. I immediately understand why he needs to go back to the point where not only do I understand why he's going back, I'm almost saying to myself in those first few minutes, oh, you have to go back to Jumanji. Like, if for no other reason, you need a reminder as to how good your life is or, or whatever, right? Like, there's a lesson you need to learn. And the and, and I'm, like, in my own mind, I'm like, the only place you can learn that is Jumanji. And, again, massive testament to this, to this filmmaking because not only do they get me to buy it, I'm, like, saying it. I'm like, bro, you got to go back. So, I, I mean, it's I, awesome. What worse thing is there than for it to be for it to be rainy and sad at Christmas 
in New York. I mean, like, they put him in, like, the worst. Like, he's getting trampled on the street of New York. It's right before the holidays. It's pouring rain. His grandpa's visiting and is overtaking his room, so he doesn't even have his own space. It's like Everything terrible. Yeah, let's just cram it all and he's getting yelled at at work because he can't put the uh, can't put the toothpaste away fast enough. His friends are all seemingly living a much more glorious post-Jumanji life than he is and I think maybe they all expected him to have the biggest best journey. He's going to New York, it's going to be amazing and things don't seem to be going that well and they just hit you with everything. Um to put that one of those things is now becoming a trope and a joke for me where it's uh uh a, something that i keep saying uh i was like oh, i didn't know this was a christmas movie uh, when they, <laughs> they kind of they, they a lot of movies do this now to the fact that i can't even remember um or my wife and i were trying to figure out what movie i started saying that in where they just like it kind of opens and it's christmas and you're like i think jurassic world did that and you're just like what but it, it does it just, it's it the hits. easiest way to put people on break yeah, and it puts all yeah that. Why would just, everyone it, come home? Why would we all be back together right. again? Because it's Christmas, right. and it just puts you in that feels like what worse of a time to feel like crap, right? Than at Christmas. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about too, something that I was very concerned about, is how how are we going back? You've destroyed the game. It's gone. It's over. And and again, I I I found this to be very believable, right? And here's the key reason. So Spencer comes home, and he goes down into the basement. He pulls out a box, and the busted-up pieces of the game are in there. And immediately, I'm like, why? Why do you have this? I I thought you guys trashed it. You threw it in the dumpster, whatever. Nothing gets explained. Now, when the friends come to try to join the game, they they immediately, well, he must have gone back for it. And they sort of leave that hanging, and that could have been bad. But there's a moment later in the movie, once they're all in-game, and they're talking to him. And they say, how did you get the game? And he was like, I went back for it. I don't exactly know why, but I did. And it's literally that line. Knowing what you already know about the Jumanji lore, that makes it all okay. It makes it all make sense. This game calls to people. When those drums start going, it very much feels like the ring in Lord of the Rings, right? Where the weak cannot resist it. And, and, and it's been made very clear that Spencer is an easy target for this game. Your life sucks. Everything about you sucks. Come to me. Come and get me and fix me and come back in. And, and it, But honestly, what I really love about it is not only does it make the mechanic of them getting back in believable and acceptable, it also gives this really creepy crazy life to this game it's crazy to be sitting here talking about jumanji movies so intensely but (laughs) this is we were just talking like i remember when i first watched it i was just kind of like but as i thought about it more and as scenes played out and things happened i was like this is so much more than i even could have thought um so anyways just this idea of being powerless to this game being forever susceptible to its charm power whatever and we see that all the time right in the original one when they throw it in the river and then it washes up on shore somewhere and some joggers come by it in in the remake welcome to the jungle when alex comes across it and and it turns into a game he doesn't even question how a board game became a video game he has to play it right there's just so much to it 
that uh, this point really drives home. I thought it was really well done. And it just has such an impact on their lives, right? Like, it just it was such a literally and, and figuratively a transformational experience for them that it's right. just had this impact on them. I will say that this is also the first part, the first point in the movie where I kind of wished I had gone back and watched the first one again because until that was explained, I was like, wait, he, I don't, he kept it. Like right, was right, that a right. thing? Was that a thing I knew? I don't, I don't quite remember that. There are just some of those things where I, I think, and we kind of talked about it on the It episode, where some movies have gotten heavy-handed in their callbacks, and I don't think these were heavy-handed when they do make them. But there were other ones where I just felt I was like, did I miss? Is this something I don't remember from the first one? Is this is, is this supposed to land for a certain reason? And so I was kind of lost a little bit there because I was like, because ah, he knew where it was. Like, so obviously he's remembering, you know, like he put it in that suitcase and put it in the right. basement. Um, but that is not something that we actually knew happened at the time. But that was the first instance of like, huh, I wish I had refreshed a little bit before this one. Because yeah. I don't end up thinking it, I don't think it necessarily stands alone as its own movie. Um, there's just, there's enough to make it that you enjoy it more if you've seen the first one, for sure. I, I absolutely agree with that. You know, I, I read a couple of interviews, and, and I'm, I'm going to pull from it a little bit later um, with the director, and he kind of talks about how he came to all these sort of things and, and, and how the, the lore of the movie sort of makes sense. It's one of the better director interviews I've ever read. He, he talks a lot about his desire to make these standalones, that anyone can kind of come in and enjoy them. And I think that's a fail on this one because I, I truly do believe that what makes this one not just tolerable but enjoyable is that it is a bridge between Welcome to the Jungle and what's coming next. I, I don't think this one can necessarily stand alone. I think there's a lot of callback, especially once the characters are sort of mixed up. That wouldn't uh, all those jokes wouldn't make sense if you didn't know that they were somebody else the last time. Um, yeah. So you know, I I don't agree that this stands alone. I I agree with you completely. Um, yeah. So definitely don't go into this thinking that if if you haven't seen Welcome to the Jungle, watch that first before jumping into the next level, uh, because you will you will miss out on a lot. Uh, absolutely, you'll miss out on a lot. And I think that's probably if you play if you are a person that plays video game series i think you'll feel you'll feel that in this where like you know could you play you know some are 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 more uh playable than others like i think back to like the bioshock series could you play um the last installment of infinite and not have played the first two yeah because i think infinite plays well very well on its own but the first the first two play off of each other more so and you know, like you could play any game probably standalone, but there's just more to it yeah, if you play it off of each other and see how they evolve. And there's just there's just parts of it where it makes sense as a video game series, but you're you're coming back to a world that was established pretty significantly in the first one that it just it hits better if you've seen it. I think that's a really great analogy in the sense that, like, yeah, if you want to play a video game, like, you want to go play Halo 3 just because you want to blast up some aliens, fine, you're going to enjoy it. But if you haven't gotten the story from the first two, you know, you're not going to, it's not going to have the same oomph when you see the culmination of this character, Master Chief, playing out. And that's the same thing here. 
where yeah. um and and to be honest i think it's even worse in the sense that i think if you watch jumanji welcome to the jungle without having or sorry uh the next level without having seen welcome to the jungle this movie's going to be pretty terrible because the laughs the scenes the sequences none of it has the same polish as the first one did i felt like there was a lot of complexity to the conflict and the conflict resolution especially in the third act i feel like the third act of jumanji the next or welcome to the jungle is damn near flawless and the way that the protagonists all overcome this nemesis and essentially all the characters utilize their weaknesses and they somehow become their strength and and that's how they end up defeat it's it's brilliant you don't get any of that in this one but if you've seen the first one, you get a flip side of the coin. You get a glimpse of a different part of the story that I think when you have them together, this one cannot stand alone. But when you put it with the first one, it does. It elevates the lore and really yeah. prepares you for the next one. Yeah. And so I think for that reason, you'll enjoy it. Not to mention, you'll enjoy revisiting these characters Yeah, and appreciate yeah, I... that dynamic of them being different. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting thing too. I'd like to, in some sort of masochistic way, maybe um, make somebody who hasn't seen the first one sit and watch this just to get, <laughs> to kind of to kind of get their take. You're our control, <laughs> right? Like, so tell me how you feel about this because I, I think the viewer has an adjustment period mm-hmm. once the players take their avatars, right? Because I, I think I said this before when you know, Bethany doesn't get taken into the game right away and you get these additional characters. And it was obvious from any of the trailers that, you know, the Dannys are being put in this movie for a reason. They are going right. to be play. They're, they're going to play through this game. How does that upset the core four from the first movie? Like, are, are there additional characters? Does one of them play the, the Jonas brother part? The, you know, like, is that just, are we reshuffling the deck? And we do to a degree reshuffle the deck a little bit where, you know, we find out that when everybody gets you know taken into it, that Spencer is not the rock. Uh, he later on, we find out that he is actually, a brand new character that is played by Aquafina, and that Danny DeVito is the rock and Kevin Hart's character is uh, Danny Glover. And it took me a while to settle into that. And I think when I finally got settled into that, then they switched it all up and put it back the way it was. And yeah. I, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, I'd like to see what somebody who does not have that influence after saying you should see it. Um, I'd like to see somebody who doesn't have that for the influence of the first one, how they feel about those characters as they shake out in this one. I sort of feel like by the time we get to the, 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 to the third act, then they shake everything up and put everyone back to the way they were. And I kind of wanted to see Danny Lover and Danny DeVito play out those characters and win the game. Oh, but... I couldn't disagree with you more. <laughs> this is great. Awesome. Yeah. I just, I mean, I kind of wanted just to see them, you know, they've, the whole first act is them like, oh, we're in a video game. And then like, they're getting the hang of it and they're starting to figure it out. And I wanted to see them kind of play it out, but I was happy they didn't. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> essentially, is is kind of because then I was like, okay, everybody's who they're supposed to be at that point. Because when we first realized that they had that switching, they have this ability to switch characters by touching water. I didn't want Fridge to end up being Ruby Roundhouse, and I didn't want Martha to end up uh, being Jack Black because right. it just. I was like, no, 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 she is that character. And like, I just, I didn't want to see them switch at that point. Um, so I was happy. I think everybody ends up in the avatar that they need to end up in with maybe the exception of the horse. I guess that works for the the arc of Danny Glover's character. No, I think this segues really well into, so the, the next part, I, I want to talk about the bet. So I, th- I think moving forward, I'm going to do this sort of breakup. We'll kind of do an overarching thing, a few highlight points, and then get into the nasty. Every movie's got yeah. it. And then we'll sort yeah. of end on a positive. Because it's important go. people remember. And I, I always get a lot of criticism because they're just like, man, Frank, do you like any movies? And the answer is yes. But I also am not blind to the sort of weaknesses of them. Uh, it doesn't mean I like them less. But if you're going to struggle with something, it's these things. And I feel like we need to call it out. We can always be yeah. better. Well, the first note I have is that it's not as funny, which is fine. That's just, it's not. But it's still funny. It's just not as funny. But talking about the avatars, the avatar assignments, I really initially I really struggled with this. But the more I think about it, I think the more I like it just because. Well, here, let's get into it. So now in this new one, uh, Ruby Roundhouse is the same. So Martha is still her. Danny DeVito becomes Dwayne Johnson. So he's, you know, Smolder Bravestone. Danny Glover becomes Kevin Hart, which and, and then Fridge becomes Jack Black. All of them sort of subpar castings in my mind. But I think Kevin Hart is next level in this one. He yeah, steals absolutely. it as Danny Glover and he he genuinely acts like an old man and i loved i absolutely loved watching him in the role of the zoologist and everything so and i didn't i didn't know i knew that much about hippos oh my god it was until this very moment but he also talks so slow and that's that's the okay so that's the part that i noticed later on that is so good about it so this movie switches everything up Right. But it it is so important to show that the right person playing the right character is vital to the success in this game. Not just anybody can come in and become Smolder Bravestone and just kick ass left and right and win this game. In fact, you can be hugely detrimental to the success of your team, as we see with Danny DeVito. He is. Yeah. He is so overcome with this power that he has, right? And, and so that first of all, real quick note, a really good thing is, you know, when the, when the old guys enter these bodies, there's this scene where they're like, oh, look at that. And they're just moving their hips and joints. <laughs> and when they're like discovering their range of motion, it kills me. But so... Oh, my joints feel like <laughs> butter. Oh, they feel like butter. <laughs> So, I love it. It's so good. So at first I'm furious that the same people aren't in the same roles. But it is so key to show that you can be the toughest guy. If you play him wrong, you will you will cost everyone everything. And that's what ends up playing out. Danny DeVito's yes. character costs everyone all of their lives. Everyone's down to one life. And it's almost single-handedly his fault because he's not playing the character right. Yeah, I mean, he saves everybody's butt really early on when those disgusting, creepy emu dinosaur ostrich guys are chasing <laughs> right. them. 
and he he nails that canyon jumping trick and saves everybody's butt but then you know he's tasked with keeping an eye out and then just beats up uh, 200 300 guys <laughs> just just because and the juxtaposition for that is just great that i mean when you see Danny DeVito early in that movie, he is stumbling around the house. He just had hip replacement. Yes. The man can barely stay on his feet. Yes. And now he's the rock and he can throw people through a wall. And he is just drunk on that. And he is every little man in a big man's body at that point. He's like, yeah, I am going to abuse this as much as possible. Yep. And when he gets them all destroyed by a rocket propelled grenade or whatever they get hit with it was like well yeah kind of saw that coming for all the good that he had done totally undoes it with that just drunk with muscle yes but again yeah it's just it's great writing and it's saying i know it's funny that this is in the bad section but it's i think i put it here because it's gonna i don't know if you're like me it's going to bother you and it's gonna bother you a lot but if you ride it out and you kind of see what they're going with here, it makes a lot of sense and, and it, it sort of ends up being a strength of this movie. I, I think the exception to that is that when Bethany... So Bethany does not get taken into the game. She notices that everyone, including the old guys, have been taken in. And so she runs out to find Alex, who's Colin Hanks's character, who's the, the guy who was originally seaplane, the Nick Jonas character. He uh, She goes off to find him and convinces him to come in and help her rescue them so they come in he plays seaplane again and she's a horse and and this really bothers me because number one like a horse is ever going to be a playable character in the game like you can be all these people or this horse it really (laughs) bothered me it's like playing Red Dead Redemption as a horse or Grand Theft Auto as a car. What like... could you possibly... Whatever. I don't even want to dwell on it. But it really bothers me. And it's so clear that this only exists to give Danny Glover's character sort of a eternal life as this flying creature that would not be killed by anybody in the game, I suppose, and could just exist forever Uh, you know it's but it's the weakest part of the movie i would have much rather if and and this is where i totally thought it was going i thought danny glover was going to somehow need to sacrifice himself to save everybody else like let me take this hit i'll die i'm dying anyway it's not a big deal at least now i can do it for my friend who i've just reconciled with and it was gonna especially i thought it was gonna be not saving the group i thought it was gonna be saving eddie I thought he was going to die to save Eddie and it was going to be this last thing that bonds them forever. And, and instead he's just going to be this bat Pegasus thing and (laughs) whatever. I will say the only highlight of that horse is when they all jump into the water and they all pop up and, and you know, it's this slow motion dripping with water and this horse head comes out and like flips its mane because it's Bethany and she's like whipping her hair back. I almost freaking died. That that, that was, was funny. But the rest was yep. stupid. Yeah, I, and I, they such a missed for- opportunity. Yeah, the foreshadowing was weird. Uh, like you said, with that whole like, oh, we find out that he's terminal, and I had that same exact thought. At some point, he was gonna sacrifice themselves because they got all down to one life really quick, and I just never felt like this was the type of movie where someone was gonna die, die unless 
there was that situation where like okay and so they got down to one life real early on i love the way they die it is such a video game thing you know like who has not died like oh let me see if my horse can you know walk down this steep cliff or let me see if i can jump my car like we've all died in video games doing stupid stupid shit yeah and so i love that kind of stuff um but they got down to one life so quick. And I was like, they're not going to kill any of these kids. Like that just doesn't make sense for the story. Yeah. They, you know, so that whole thing, I'm hundred percent on board with that. I thought that he was going to sacrifice himself. And there's a scene when seaplane is rescuing Danny Glover now as the horse and he hits his avatar button and we get the sense that the the listing has popped up his strength and weaknesses uh key but we don't see it it's the only one we don't see in the game right. and he's like oh that's interesting and so you're like okay well you've done this before they all have an, an added ability or an added weakness in this one i think bravestones is uh switchblade and they're like oh so he can get stabbed like but it, it's not what it means right right and, and so like the horse is such a a, a a throwaway and ends up being a convention that just didn't pay off that whole like yeah i'm terminal just does not pay off when you play it through the horse like that yeah this horse was so stupid um so moving on with some other things that i'm gonna skip ahead a little bit and these two kind of go together i felt like overall the missions the challenges the levels and especially the third act just in general were so much weaker they weren't complex at all i mean i remember watching you know, Kevin Hart and them in the helicopter trying to grab the jewel, you know, when they're surrounded by, what is it? I forget what the animals are. Um, <laughs> I just remember Kevin Hart dying. <laughs> He's getting stampeded with all those nuts running on him. And that, that scene killed me. Anyways, but you know, like, there was just so many little subtle intricacies, like like Dwayne Johnson having to put the pin in that in that helicopter while you know you're using kevin hart because he's expendable in that moment to be a distraction while you can then use the respawns cleverly to to catch him in midair and all these different elements are playing out and there is none of that in here the ostriches show up drive super fast um the bridges are happening okay the the guy who now does the map guy now suddenly geometry is helping him know what bridge to jump on I, that was totally lost on me he's like calling out shapes and i'm like and linguistics huh? means that you can talk to animals didn't see that coming there was all. so many little like everything just felt very rushed and just not so for everything that this movie does well with character development and theme it is just not good at the conflict and resolution aspects of things and then again the boss fight you know, the third act in the first one is flawless. Everyone is a part. Everyone plays a role. You have Ruby Roundhouse uses her weakness of venom to get killed by a bunch of snakes so that she can respawn, fall out of the sky. Honestly, the respawn use in the first one is just awesome. She essentially uses it as a teleport to win the game. So, like, all these... But everyone is a critical part. In this one, we literally watch five of the characters watch the rock fight the boss yep and it's just dumb they're just a whole parts in that that third act where again they're all down to one life this is actually mission critical on this they don't have that expenditure that they had in the first one where they can use the response and the deaths to their critical advantage like 
this is and they make a big deal about it to the point that i i think my wife said she goes oh so it's like real life now like they make some kind of comment like we yeah. got to do this we we only have one shot at this and she's like like you do in life right <laughs> like so much so that like spencer and martha hash out their relationship issues while clinging to the side of a, a, an ice wall and like they're they're climbing up this ice wall while trying to like pull off this rescue and end the game and they're just hanging there having their heart to heart and i'm just like conversation like now's not the time for this because if you die you die like this is not a game now like yep maybe get on with it and i just i hate it that was that was you knew it had to happen at some point in the game uh or in the movie but i just was like not not now like yeah. this this feels dumb no um, it was i do like <laughs> there's a scene where they climb up that ice wall and they have their so they've they've just they've just switched back so yeah. so now they're down to one life each and this is what you're talking about they're down to one life each so now they have to be their best selves so they discover that the water is like the other water around the Jumanji Berry, which we're not going to get into the details. Watch the movie. But we're going to talk a little bit about the Jumanji Berry. That's a really stupid part. But they, they discover that by touching this water and then touching each other, they can switch avatars. Because they know they're down to one, they got to be their best selves. So, so everyone reverts to the normal stuff. And I will say, one of the greatest things that ever happened to this movie, you have to be the right person to play the right character to be successful in Jumanji. They figure that out. They make their switches. And so <laughs> Eddie, Danny DeVito, goes from being The Rock in this really weird New York accent into then becoming Aquafina. And Aquafina, as Danny DeVito, is such a joy and a pleasure to watch. I have never laughed so hard. She kills it. She steals this movie for me. 100 yeah. percent, she steals it yeah i think uh, it's a it's a great continuation for as much as you loved danny glover or kevin hart as danny glover it, this picks up that mantle for when it switches over yes because um, when you I lose mean, he, danny glover yeah where do you go and aquafina just runs with the torch i absolutely I mean, she, agree she walks with this like kind of a shuffle step all of a sudden <laughs> and a, a hunch and like and and she's supposed to be ming fleetfoot or something like that i think is her last name because she's a yeah. thief right? right and she just has no grace or elegance in the way that she is walking as this character and is insistent that like that there's a, a whole scene where her her skill is lock picking she has the lock picks and she's like no 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 that's that somebody else is gonna do it it's like, no this is your skill you have to do it but but why does it have to be me i i just I, that <laughs> whole like it is so great and all all of the bravado and uh charisma and everything that he embodied when he was playing smolder bravestone is gone when he switched into this character fully gone i mean she genuinely becomes an old man whereas yeah. in before we saw an old man get a new body now yeah. we just see aquafina become an old man and it's yeah. it's absolutely hilarious and and i did forget you did remind me the point is further driven home because uh spencer is aquafina or, or ming or whatever i know we're, we're going all over the place with character right. name actor name whatever but spencer has a hard time being the thief 
He's not yeah. good at it. It bothers him. You know, so that just furthers the whole thing. Like, you know, you got to be the right person. Whereas Danny DeVito, he just gets in there and he's like, he has no problem doing whatever needs done, you know, which we already knew because he's just bashing skulls in. Um, right. Anyways, but that is a shining beacon in sort of the 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 mire of the bad of this movie uh, yeah. is Aquafina with Danny DeVito. Uh, and, and I think it's even better than Glover as Kevin Hart, although that was awesome. That's the only thing yeah. that got me through the first and second acts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, when you know you you talk about the third act of the first movie being such a uh, a collaborative effort, and they make that realization in this one that we have to be our team, and they say it like, "Oh, uh, I think um, Seaplane says like, oh, when you are this team, like you're unbeatable.'" But then it they don't really need to be a team to fight the final boss. There's not, I like no, oh my. They, they sort of pull that that magic stunt and the horse can fly and most of them are just watching as this you know hindenburg-esque explosion happens with the the dirigible and no <laughs> yeah <laughs> no just... i agree completely one last thing that sucks awful is if you've seen the first one you know that ruby roundhouse has this epic fight scene to music there's a moment where they're fighting all the all the baddies and Kevin Hart goes into the bag. Now we know she, Ruby Roundhouse has a new skill of nunchucks. He doesn't pull out nunchucks. He doesn't pull out anything to help her. He pulls out a freaking boombox and plays the song that she fought in the first one. And that she fought to in the first one. And it's the worst thing I've ever seen. I was so pissed. I know there's not like a, a deeper thing to it. It really just pissed me off and I hated it. And I hate that it was in there. And I hate him for doing it. And I just hate, hate, hate it's the worst. Yeah, because the best oh, the best part of that whole sequence is when she's like, "Oh, that guy has nunchucks." And she finally gets nunchucks yes. from uh, you know, from one of the villains and she's able to just decimate with the nunchucks. And it's like, yeah, backpack guy has what you need. If they needed ice climbing gear, he's got ice climbing gear. Why does he need like what purpose does the boot box serve? Nothing. He could have just pulled nunchucks out of there. Right. And I I think to a degree, that's where that the the third act kind of abandons its video game esque ness. We lose a lot of that feeling, I think, in in this part because you get a lot of the bad guys aren't the NPC characters that you were seeing in the first movie or even earlier in this movie. There's a little bit more organic, I guess, interaction between the avatars and the other baddies in this that starts to throw you a little bit like they're having genuine dialogue rather than just that. Like anybody who's played a video game dialogue, like you try and talk to the same person over again and they have a limited vocabulary yes. and you start to lose that to the point where I'm like, Oh, it's just an adventure movie at this point. I lost that video game feeling kind of in this third act until you get to that, like super climactic Jumanji Berry part <laughs> oh no i i absolutely agree with you completely and that ruby roundhouse scene is is the perfect example of that where she kind of walks up and she's supposed to fight these two guys and i don't know one of them keeps saying like hey pretty lady what are you doing out here and then she'll say something and he just repeats it because she's not saying the right thing to trigger the next sequence and this time you know jack black and kevin hart and all these people are just completely going off book but the but the npcs are bantering with them and it just i you i think you nailed it it just totally pulls you out and you're just like is this a movie is this a game it just it, we everything is weaker for it there it just yeah. it, 
honestly just felt like there was just a lot less attention to detail and it was just like it very much felt like let's do this to get to the next one as opposed to let's do this right and i hope that they fix that in the third one but anyways so you bring up the jumanji berry i think that kind of puts a lid on what's bad let's kind of end with some sugar and then go into the into the final the final thoughts last things that are really good you know we talked about a lot of the comedic moments we sort of sprinkled them in as we were talking about the bad it's hard to separate them because they sort of happen in those moments and you know so yes there are highs and they are good and they are worth it and so you are going to get some stuff with that especially if you liked and enjoyed the first one you're going to get glimpses of that in this one and i think it's it's awesome nick jonas again is a huge surprise for me and one of the uh, he's not my favorite character by far obviously but he is i feel like he's a step or two away from becoming a genuinely legit actor he he doesn't detract he really elevates scenes i feel like he plays the alex character really well you root for him when he's trying to navigate that scene you buy him as sort of this this guy who can come in and, and, and elevate a scene and, and elevate your characters. And I don't know, I find that to be really surprising and it's, he's, he, it's great. I was, I was happy to see him again and he didn't disappoint me. I actually felt like he was one of the characters that Alex going back into the game. We see that he's got a kid at this point early on when Bethany goes to get him, he's got a kid who's named Bethany. Right. And, we see that at the end of the first one. Right. right. And he's got this kid and he's, I feel like he has the most to lose. And I actually worried about him the most because right. like he survived in that game for 20 years the first time. And now he's willingly gone back to rescue them again. I would have been like, no, get the hell out of here. Like, yo, go figure this out. I did my part the first time. What is, I mean, he's not necessarily close with these kids the way that the four of them are. Like, what does he have to gain by going back into it other than the fact that he has the worldly knowledge but what's in it for him and so i was really actually worried about him and appreciated what nick jonas did with that because uh I, he was the one character i was genuinely concerned about making it out of this game i agree completely and in the first one he's the he's been in there he lost all those lives trying to navigate that bizarre uh, part of the of the level his weakness i think is mosquitoes he gets bit by a mosquito in the first one and um he's dying and bethany sacrifices one of her lives to save him yeah. no one has that to give in this one and and it's exactly like you said he has a family we've just watched him lose two lives back to back everyone's down to one so i 100 percent thought for sure that he was going to find himself in another situation, but no one had a life to give for him. And we have this Jumanji berry. One of the missions is they have to get this berry and it weighs like a bajillion pounds or whatever it is. And so they've been carrying this through the movie and you've completely forgotten about it. Now the whole time I thought that berry was going to give somebody an extra life. I thought it was going to make them invincible for amount of time, give them some kind of a skill up whatever right something video gamey and so i fully thought that we were going to find seaplane in another situation and this berry was going to come into play it didn't do that and the berry ends up being stupid however part of the good is it brings in this new thing so so this is this is a lot of good in one moment number one the baddie is rory mccann and it was awesome to see him again loved him as the baddie in this number two 
we get a moment where where it's sort of boss fight, mini boss fight number one in the third act, and The Rock and uh, Jurgen are fighting, and The Rock gets knocked over, and this berry kind of bursts, and this juice kind of comes out. And so now we're reminded, oh yeah, the berry. Again, I'm like, someone's going to eat it, and they're going to get some kind of a skill up, or, or an extra life, or whatever. And instead, we get this glimpse where Jurgen sees the berry and kind of runs away. And The Rock notices and starts chasing him with it, basically. <laughs> and so then we get into the final scene up in the, in the blimp, like you were talking about. And Jurgen is just overpowering The Rock, just wrecking yeah. him, wrecking him. And The Rock takes the berry out and crushes it on his chest. <laughs> and smashes it. <laughs> and it's so dumb. And the juice goes everywhere. But the act of him doing that triggers the player menu to pop up for Jurgen. And we see his strengths, which are like villainy, rage, <laughs> whatever. And his weakness is the Jumanji berry. So what makes this awesome? Well, for the keen-eyed observer, one would assume that the only people in this game who have menus are the player avatars because we've watched them hit the menu to find out their stuff. Suddenly, we see Jurgen has that. Van Pelt never had it. Anytime, you know, we never saw that called out where he could see that menu or anything like that. And so, this leads us to believe, and and I believe The Rock has confirmed it in real life, that yeah. Jurgen is a playing avatar. He has a yep. player in this game. He is not an NPC. And that was game changing for me. Suddenly I was like, thank you, Barry. Did I need the Barry for that to happen? No. You could have punched Jurgen in the chest. It's not like the Barry. You know what? When Kevin Hart eats a piece of cake, he freaking explodes. When <laughs> Ruby Roundhouse gets bit by a snake, she explodes. You hit Jurgen with his weakness, and nothing happened except nothing. that we're unveiled that he's a character, and then he gets thrown out of the blimp. He doesn't vanish. He doesn't whatever. Now, one thing I wish would have happened is that, yeah, he would have just vanished, or we would have seen the thing. He sees it, and then just poof, he's gone. And then maybe you hear like that response, you know, yeah. ding, mm -hmm. or whatever, and I would have been like, oh, that's awesome. But too late, too little too late, we've won the game. We can move on, but now we really know, right? So I don't know what kind of a weakness that Barry is for him or whatever, but that's obviously it's not the point. It's, you know, what it's like a hot dog to ketchup. It's a vessel to get ketchup in my belly. That Barry yep. is a vessel to show me that Jurgen is a playable avatar. Um, and that's game changing for me. I thought that was yeah. awesome. And it yeah. I'm super excited to see what that means for the next one. I somehow just wrote that off at the time and didn't realize it until I did the research. And I was like, Oh, huh. So I, I, that moment got lost on me. And to the point that I was even like, well, what the heck? Like you, like you said, why, why the berry? He didn't explode. Nothing happened to him. It's just right. this menu popped up and we find out that his weakness was the berry. And now this is even more confusing because he hit him with the berry and nothing happened. He still has to push him out of the dirigible or right. the blimp or whatever. So I was like, no, no, that no, kinda, I like dirigible. That, Stay with that. <laughs> that, 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 that whole reveal was lost on me until I read, did some research this morning and I was like, Oh, so it makes much more sense now. And I was like, interesting. And Dude, when that, that popped up, I just kept, I was going, why does he have a menu? Why does he have a menu? <laughs> Everyone's so that like, just, what are you talking about? That just, to me, sets up the the whole the whole actual 
ending, not the ending of Jumanji itself, right? Where you know where we find that they they win, and Danny Glover is going to stay in Jumanji and live out the rest of his life as Bat Horse, which is <laughs> which is fine, I guess. Good I for guess him. There's there's worse things, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, great. Um, I kind of at that point the glove like Bat Horse. <laughs> Bat Horse I mean, my the gloves were kind of off at that point that I kind of was like, does Danny DeVito stay with him? I mean, the dude's got a busted hip. He's like just rediscovered his friend. Do they both stay? Like, I, I was kind of when he didn't when when Danny Glover didn't sacrifice himself for someone and he's just going to stay in Jumanji. Uh, I just kind of was like, well, all bets are off at this point. But right. That that boss fight sets up this ending where they're all back in the real world having some cake or trying to have some cake in the diner uh, that that the, which is now called Nora's Diner. And they're eating their their post Jumanji snack and the drums start up again after this repairman finds the game in Spencer's basement and ostriches are suddenly running down the street like mm-hmm where are we going with this? So, like, so much to say right here. We talked a little bit, I don't know, maybe this should be a thing where we try to spot the ending in the beginning, right? Yeah. So we talked a little bit in the Cowboys and Aliens uh, episode where a key element of good writing is, can you show me something from the end in the beginning? Toy Story is, I remember when I took my screenwriting class, you know, when I was learning about this stuff in grad school, shout out AU. But I was when I was taking my screenwriting class, and, and Disney does this really well, and I found this a lot. All right, so in the beginning of Toy Story, we see Sid melting people with the magnifying glass or whatever, right? By people, I mean toys. And, uh, and in the <laughs> end, right, we have Buzz strapped to the rocket. Woody has one match. He lights the match. We're going to shut off the rocket so that we can catch up to the, to the moving truck. Match blows out. What are we going to do? Well, you know, Buzz has his helmet, and we're going to use that like a magnifying glass to light the wick boom you showed me in the beginning what you're gonna do at the end epic this movie does that surprisingly well so we we find out that danny devito and danny glover had a restaurant called milo's and eddie's or eddie's and milo's or whatever and the whole time it's very brief the kids are meeting up there for brunch and he's like oh where you guys going for brunch oh we're going to nora's Oh, and then there's another scene where he's like, yeah, we had this great restaurant. Now it's called Nora's or something. You don't think about it at all. Not even a little bit. Danny DeVito goes to Nora's at the end with the kids. They're all there having cake or whatever, like you were saying. And who walks out as the owner of Nora's, but freaking Aunt Nora herself from the original 1995 Jumanji, played by B.B. Newworth, and she comes out. Now, the the scene itself is kind of a throwaway because he's kind of macking on her and she's totally bi- vibing on it. And he seems a thousand... Somehow he seems a thousand years older than her. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit troubling. But it also... It's, it's an amazing callback. It's a huge cameo. What does it mean? I don't know. Is she the actual Aunt Nora? I mean, obviously she is. It's the exact same character. It's the same name. Do, do are these worlds actually one as opposed to these being standalone movies that kind of give nods to their inspiration is this one huge world there i i read a fan theory on uh, when i was kind of doing a little bit of research 
we talked about Jurgen being a playable character. There's there's this theory that it's the kid from the original one who went to play it again or something like that, got trapped in the game, and maybe Jurgen's character wasn't necessarily bad, but this kid has kind of made him bad. It, there's this whole there's all these theories or whatever. Now that essentially BB Newworth is in it, are these worlds real? Like is is Kirsten Stewart or Kirsten is Kirsten Dunst gonna come into this one? Like I don't I don't know. What does that mean? Yeah. The interesting thing about that is that at the end of the 95 movie, the only people that remember the events of that movie are Robin Williams, Alan Parrish, and his girlfriend, then wife, um, Sarah, who was played by Bonnie Hunt. Yes. (laughs) They are the only ones that remember. The kids don't remember. The kids have no recollection I'm so so glad you brought this up. I'm chomping at the bit. Go ahead. Keep going. He he went back and lived his whole life, as you mentioned before. Right. And so, like, Nora doesn't have – won't have any memory of this. So what what does that mean? And I want to go back and listen to what she says because she's like, oh, we moved here from Philadelphia or something. No, no, no. She says the manager moved to Philadelphia. Okay, okay. That's why she needs a new restaurant manager, and Danny DeVito (sighs) offers himself to do it. Yeah, so I'm I'm totally I'm, I'm totally lost of where that factors in. I, it's more than a, it's more than just a throwaway cameo. It has to be because of what happens after that. Where back at like I said, back at Spencer's house, the repairman comes. Something happens when he touches the game. What we don't know, and the next thing we know is the ostriches are running down the street, which is what happened in the first one. The game comes into this world, right? So okay. So many things, so many things. I'm so glad you brought the memory thing in. So in an interview I was reading with the director, he talked specifically about that. Because a lot of people, and I agree with you, I think that the way he explains it makes beautiful sense, and I'm going to kind of give you an overview of it in a second. But I think it completely negates the the premise that the kid from the original Jumanji could be the bad guy. Because 100% he does not remember. Also, Aunt Nora is 100% the same Aunt Nora, but she has zero memory of what happened. Robin Williams and Bonnie Hunt 100% remember and remember it their whole lives. Although, in the original one, there's kind of a throwaway line when as kids, Robin Williams and Bonnie Hunt's kids' versions, they kiss, and she's like, I want to do that before I start to forget, right? So it kind of alludes to this idea that they're also going to forget and be able to live their lives as children, but then as adults, they remember Kirsten Dunst and the little boy when they come in. So they've had the memory. Like maybe they thought they would lose it, but they never did. Anyways, but the point is, so he talks a lot about how this works. Robin Williams and Bonnie Hunt come back. Everyone goes back to the age they were when they entered the game, right? Now in Bonnie Hunt's situation, she started playing the game with Robin Williams. Now, she ran off and didn't finish it until she was an adult, but she would understandably go back to being a kid because that's when she first engaged with the game. Whereas the kids don't travel back very far at all. They've only been playing it for a day or two, you know, so on and so forth. And the same in the in the remakes, right? In these new movies, they engage with the... and they go back. Whereas Alex goes all the way back to when he's like 19 lives his life and meets up with the guys later and he has a family and all that stuff. Now, all of them remember because the trajectory of their lives doesn't change. 
right? Alex goes back to being 18, 19 when he first played Jumanji and he lives his life, but he remembers playing Jumanji because no one ever stops him from playing Jumanji. He always played it. Kirsten Dunst and the little boy forget because the act of Alan Parrish and Bonnie Hunt going back to being children, then living their lives to be adults and stopping the parents from going on the ski trip, thereby stopping them from dying, thereby stopping them from living with Aunt Nora, thereby stopping them from playing Jumanji, the kids, in essence, never play it. So they have nothing to remember because it never happened. Ha. Right? So it's a little complex, it's a little complicated, but if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Therefore, Nora never experienced Jumanji. What's right. really cool about it is when those ostriches are running by her restaurant, she's about to re-experience something we've already seen her go through right. again, but for her for the first time. It's a really cool element that if they do it right can be a lot of fun. And I'm super excited about it. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sets this up. I, like, Part of me is like, okay, so taking us all the way back to the beginning where we're saying that these kids – you know, the the actors playing Spencer and Martha and Fridge and Bethany are kind of throwaways because we don't actually get to know them as as actors. Right. Are they going to carry this third movie or how does how because is, is it now in real life? Because and Fridge makes it very clear is we're never going back in there. And they like, all agree. Are, like, yep. Right. And we don't know what's happened with this end scene back at Spencer's, like w- like when the repairman touches the the game, and Spencer's mom's there. Like we don't see them get sucked into the game. There's some lights, and then the ostriches are running down the street and the drums. So do the avatars come into this world? Then what do their characters actually look like without somebody playing them? Like this what is... what does where does this bridge take us? We don't know where this bridge is taking. We us, right? are so on the same page right now, Tim. And it's it's ridiculous that this stupid movie gets me so excited to talk about this stuff. <laughs> like again, what a testament to this movie. It is not as good, but here we are just totally geeking out about this possibility. Okay. So before we jump in super deep on this, uh the there's there is a post credit although it's not post credit it's like a second into the credits the credits stop and we get a scene again of another instance right earlier in the movie the mom is telling Danny DeVito and Spencer hey the repair guy's coming to fix the heater you know let him in now it seems like that just gives a reason so you know the doorbell's ringing they go they think it's the heating guy it's the friends they go they think it's the heating guy it's Milo right we're introduced to a lot of characters through that dynamic the entire movie plays out in the post credit scene, boom, the repair guy shows up and they go down to fix the heater and it's Lamorne Morris, who I absolutely love. It's so cool because I just told you we've been binging New Girl and right. he plays Winston Bishop in New Girl. He is my hands down favorite character. Cool side story. So Jake Kasdan was, uh, he worked on New Girl. That's where he met Lamorne and they were doing a, uh, a table read and so he was like, I can't get everybody here. Hey, can you come and do some read on this table read? And so he does, just as a favor. He gets to the end, and they're walking out. And he goes, hey, who's playing the heat guy? And and Jake was like, you, man, it's yours if you're free. 
you do it. And he's like, great. Now, it's funny because he's inserting himself. I think of the heat, the heating character as <laughs> uh, as what's-his-face from the original. David Allen Greer? Yes. So yeah. I see the heating repair guy as, Dave, as the David Allen Greer character in the original one. <laughs> right? Like, he's going to kind of be that guy who experiences it. I, I don't think... So anyway, so they go down into the basement. He sees it. He's like, man, that's a really old game. Like, that's crazy looking. And he goes, he kind of touches it, and yes, it sparks something, and it brings Jumanji into the world. I don't think him and the mom get sucked into the game, per se. I don't think so. I think it just sort of triggers the portal and brings everything into the world. Here's what gets me super fired up about it. Number one, I hope Lamorne Morris plays a huge role. I think he's hilarious and brilliant, and he will be fantastic to watch in this movie. Number two, I 100% believe that the avatars, this movie, no one cares about the kids. No. I will say what is exciting is I'm very interested to see them play a bigger role in the next one yeah. and to watch them interact with the world of Jumanji. I think that'll be a cool dynamic. Um, but we 100% need Jack Black, Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Hart, and Karen Gillan to come into the real world. I truly believe they will. If nothing else, this gives us a third chance to watch these legit actors Right now, Dwayne Johnson, he kind of he's hit or miss for me, but he's fantastic in these and he really becomes other people. And so this gives us a third way that they can play a totally different role, which is their avatar characters as the game intends them to be. And I'm very curious to see. We've already seen Bravestone be Spencer, which is like his best version. And then we've seen yep. him be Danny DeVito, which is kind of this crappy version. Right. And so I'm very curious to see how you feel and, and to watch essentially both people in the same space. You know what I mean? Like, is Spencer? how does Spencer's Bravestone differ from actual Bravestone? I imagine they'll butt heads a lot. I imagine he's very prideful and whatever. Like, right? That's what I'm excited about the most about the next one. And if they don't do it, I'll just burn things to the ground. I want to see the kids who have played these characters and given us the character we love standing in a room with the character that the game intends and to watch that conflict. you got to imagine there's going to be conflict. Yeah, it's actually... I didn't really think of it until you said that, but that's actually fairly well established, actually, in this movie. The kids think that they know how to play those characters the best. You see that a lot with the fridge trying to coach Danny Glover as mouse being like, no, no, you got to do it this way. You got to talk faster. You got to know this, you got to do it this way. And so now they're going to be up, up, you know, teaming up with their, with the actual avatars, but thinking that they need to control them still. Potentially, right. oh, right? that would be so good. That would be so, so cool like, to watch. Arguing with them about like, no, no, this is the way you got to do it. And it's like, but I'm the one doing it, right? So it's it's it is definitely interesting. Plus, and you're I gonna get these characters becoming sentient in the yeah, real world, right. which is their Jumanji. It's right. gonna be totally right. fish out of water, right? There's so much potential there for. Yeah for comedy for com- i mean comedy is born of conflict right so it's just like it, it this can this can be so good and i really yeah. hope it is and i'm so excited 
and that's where the bridge comes in and and when you put it that way again going back to the hunger games kind of analogy where it's like this is enough like the first one but it sets up the third one to be completely different it's gonna be its own thing and totally it just puts to rest every concern that i had originally when i was like oh they're redoing this a they're making welcome to the jungle like how are they going to make this work and then doing the sequel straight on the heels of that one like how are they going to differentiate this enough and if they come out and say like we had no intention of ever doing three of these movies and it works as well as we're hoping or as well as we want it to they'll look brilliant yeah if it if they pull it off because it they could have just stopped after the first one and been like we made a great movie we're done and it, it's rare that you ever, you know, that you can pull it off this way. And be like, we never plan to make three of these, but it works really well. If you told me five years ago or six years ago that they were going to do a reboot of Jumanji and that I was not only going to love it and potentially even love it more than the original and yeah. that you would then tell me they would make a sequel and possibly three and that I right. would be eagerly awaiting the arrival of the third which anyone who knows me knows i am not a sequel person i like i struggle with sequels um with a very few exceptions uh the dark knight being the biggest one but i uh so anyone who knows me knows i hate sequels so if you had told me six years ago all of these things i would slap you in the face and call you a liar and yet here (laughs) i stand talking about jumanji the reboots talking about a sequel and how fired up it's making me for a third sequel. Like it's madness and such a testament to what this team has done to bring this, to not only bring this movie almost out of obscurity, right? It's just not, it's a classic for so many of us, but yet one that not many of us talk about. It's not something you watch on the regular. And, and yet now all of a sudden it's just like, I don't know. And it's building on the lore and it's building on what you loved from the 95 version. It's building more on what you loved about uh, Welcome to the Jungle. And I mean, they are crushing it with this. It's so stupid that I'm so excited for a part three or four or whatever you want to call it. Okay. I want to pose you one last question before we give our final ratings and wrap up on this two hour uh, Jumanji (laughs) uh, extravaganza. And I'm not going to cut any of it. Drink it in and you're welcome, folks. Um, If you had told me six years ago I was going to talk for two hours about Jumanji 2 and 3, or 3 and 4, again, slap you. No, I'm just kidding. I've been thinking a lot. We talked a little bit about how this movie even goes further to elevate how the game pulls people in. And I want to pose the question to you. Is Jumanji the board game or the video game or whatever? Is Jumanji the game... Is it the bad guy? Is it seeking out the weak and bringing them in because they're weak? Or is this game really the good guy and it seeks out everyone who's been pulled into this game has needed it and has emerged better for it, right? Alan Parrish goes into the game. His relationship with his father is trash. He's kind of a spoiled kid. He's got a crappy life. He doesn't see what's right in front of him with his friend Bonnie Hunt, right? 
He goes into this game, he lives out this experience, and he comes out the other side a better person. He embraces his role with his family, his relationship with his father is mended, he finds the love of his life, and he's married to her forever and ever, right? These kids go into the game as trash, they come out better. Fridge and his friendship with Spencer, they're reunited and best friends. Bethany and Martha, who would be never in the same room together, are suddenly like inseparable. Spencer and Martha are together. Spencer and his relationship with his grandfather has been fixed. Milo and, and Eddie have been resolved. Everyone goes into this game and comes back better for it. Is this game really the good guy and it seeks out people in need and puts them through this horrendous trial that ends up actually being the best thing that ever happened to them? So, in some do I need to go way, to Jumanji? In some sick way, this movie is this Jumanji is Saw is Jigsaw. Interesting, Be, right? Because a lot of the premise of the early Saw movies was like, do you really want to save yourself? Are you going to do this horrific thing to save yourself? Oh, that's like, bananas! It's right? So grody. So. Like, it's kind of like, hey, you got three chances to do, like, are there just a bunch of dead people inside Jumanji? Like, <laughs> people who didn't make just... the cut? Right. Well, hey, but do those people be, right? become the Jurgens and become the, right. the Van Pelts? Right. I, I don't know. But if there is that this kind of thing, like, is it just a sick and twisted way of getting people to, because if you go that route, be like, yeah, okay, it's, it. Yeah, there has to be dead people in this game. There just has to be like, there has to be people who did not win. Like, Oh, not 100% everybody, there's got to right? be people that didn't make it. So I, I, I don't know. Like, Ooh, I does mean, it keep I, you as a prisoner forever as an right? NPC or whatever? Oh, right? that's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Uh, I, there is something going on. I mean, why else does this, I mean, why else does this game feed itself with people? Like, I kind of love that we don't know, but at the same time, like if we're going to go anywhere after this third movie, which you have to imagine has to be the end, right? The trilogy, yeah. and then we call it a day. Like, let's not make this Fast and Furious and ruin it or whatever. Let's just do the three and walk away. But is there some kind of a pre, like an Annabelle or, or some kind of a, you know what I mean? Like the horror genres yeah. that kind of visit sort of the doll or whatever. Like, is, right. there, is there a movie where we sort of explore the origins of jumanji and how like does this some work? guy yeah some guys <laughs> build so it crazy. building this board game carving the little pieces like you yes. know like and then maybe you kind of figure out if there's some kind of sadistic evil jigsawness to this or you know you know you got some witch doctor in the bush somewhere that's carving this game up i i i, I don't know <laughs> i don't know so i kind of pose that i kind of pose that to to the listeners you know like comment on on yeah. facebook whatever when we do this post What's Jumanji, man? Is it good? Is it bad? Uh, I don't know. I, I get the sense it's it's playing towards... It doesn't matter. I don't want to speculate. But it, it's <laughs> it's an interesting thought. And again, like the fact that we can have this type of a conversation with this type of movie is crazy. It's, it's yeah. crazy. It blows my mind. Um, yep. Okay, so let's bring it home. Final thoughts, final rating. To, to give you some, some guidance here, do you recommend people watch it? And do you recommend they, they rent it or buy it? You know, what's your final rating? What's your sort of thought? I'd say definitely watch it. Definitely rent it. Watch the first one. 
watch the second one maybe give yourself a day uh <laughs> if you watch the, it if you like the first one you're gonna like this one a lot it does like i said enough to make it different where it doesn't feel like it's just let's rehash everything with a couple of new characters um if you are a fan of series video games and you like that same feel but in a different setting different format do it uh, it's it's a lot of fun you've got a lot of quality actors in it and uh it, it's it's hilarious at all the right moments um i mean you really can't go wrong with a, a lot of the folks in it danny devito is just amazing and even though he's not in it you still see him in it Isn't for a majority so of this movie. Weird. It's like, you know, you keep saying, oh, Danny DeVito. He was, he's in maybe, what, 20 minutes of the entire movie? Like, But yet it, he's but... in all of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it is, I would say, probably looking at a six to seven rating for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's thoroughly fun and definitely worth it. I'm not somebody who buys movies, so it takes a lot for me to go buy a movie to have into my collection. Um, but I'll probably watch it again. Uh, if I see it on TV, I'll definitely watch it. I'm going to go tell people to watch it because it's, uh, it's definitely fun. Yeah, see, I'm the opposite. I am a movie-buying whore. But again, I guess my criteria is if I, w- would, if I would watch this movie again, then I'll buy it. Right, like if I think I'm gonna watch this movie more than once, I'm gonna buy it because otherwise I'm gonna spend twelve bucks to to rent it twice when I could have spent fourteen or so dollars to just own it. Yeah. So, anyways, again, my rationale. Me, I I couldn't agree with you more. I one hundred percent recommend this movie. This movie has absolute major flaws, but what movie, especially a sequel, doesn't? Right. This movie does not equal the first one it's not as good but what sequel is so when you get that stuff aside i think what you'll find with this is number one it's absolutely enjoyable it's 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 like you said it's thoroughly fun it's it's fun to watch it's fun to re-engage with these characters if you like the first one you will like this one you will also notice some weaknesses in it however what this movie has a tendency to do is sort of feed you trash and then in the end twist it around to actually make it a good thing so what i what i personally found was a lot of the things i hated about this one ended up serving a purpose later in the movie that got me really excited. So you kind of have to suffer through the crap to get to the gem at the end. And this movie surprisingly does that sneakily and really well at the same time. So anyways, yeah, I think if you like the first one, you'll like this one. I 100% recommend renting this movie. It's worth every penny of the six bucks. If you're like me and you're completionist or you think you might watch it more than once, I would even go so far as to say, go ahead and buy it, especially if it's like $14.99, buy this. If it's $14.99 to buy this movie, buy this movie. I, I think I give it a seven out of 10. Um, yeah. I think it's I think it's fun, it's enjoyable, it's a blast to kind of be back with these characters. And again, this what this movie does really well, way better than most sequels do, is it sets up another sequel in such a way that it not only makes sense, but it makes you really excited for the next one. Um, yep. Which, uh, which is just not something that you get very often. So no. definitely, definitely recommend it. I guess, any last thoughts? No, I, I think you're right. It's a rare thing these days where you're like, hey, cool. Like, I'm not surprised they're making a sequel. I'm really happy about it. Um, Whereas you see other movies that come out now, like maybe like The Joker, and you're like, oh, this movie ended up being really good, and now they're going to have to do a sequel right, sort of thing. Right, right, which I hate. And it's like, 
Yeah, I mean, Frozen just did that, right? Disney always said, we're not doing a sequel to Frozen. We won't do And then Frozen was such a phenomenon that they had to do a sequel to Frozen. And it's just, that is not a way to make a movie. And it just, it, when that obligatory thing happens now, it just, it, it takes any art away from a movie. And this these two movies are so different and such a different twist on things that you'd hate to see, you hate to see it just made for the sake of making it, which is what I thought was happening originally. And it's not, if it's, if it's really going somewhere, I think they can really bring it home with a third movie. I agree. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here. Jumanji, the next level. Awesome. Awesome. Well, awesome is a strong word. Really good. Really enjoyable. <laughs> Go out there and watch it. Um, Tim, man, thanks again for joining me on this, dude. It's been yep. yet another blast to talk to you. Just hash out about movies as the two hour and seven minute runtime of this episode so far can attest. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Keep hanging strong. Follow us everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Paused Reviews. Hit us up with your comments, your thoughts, anything you want to hear or listen to and just what you thought about this one. Um, and as always, we wish you all the best and we will see you on the next episode where we'll be talking about, I don't know, something equally awesome. Uh, I'm your host, Frank, and, uh, we'll see you on the next one. See ya.